0: You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 654 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you live from my home, actually, on this fine Friday evening. I was planning to record in the bowl of State Farm Arena, as always, but there was a a lot of commotion happening after the game, and the sound quality was not going to uh, allow me to go ahead and do that. I recorded about five minutes of podcast, realized it was not going to be able to be listenable, so I decided to put a hold on it and come home, record with better quality, so here we are talking about what transpired on Friday evening with the Hawks losing to the Sacramento Kings by a final score of 121-109. to Plenty to get to from what was a pretty entertaining game for at least part of it, but a game in which the Hawks kind of ran into a buzzsaw, honestly, with the way that the Kings shot the ball throughout the game. We'll talk much more about that in a moment. Um, as far as news is concerned, not too much going on in Hawks land right now, um, in fact, the only real news item before this game was the fact that uh, the Hawks sent Alan Crabb to College Park to the G League for a practice on Thursday that immediately recalled him. No big surprise there, honestly, on, on my end. There were some people that were assuming that that, that meant Crab was that like, close to returning. He is certainly on track for a return in the somewhat near future, and he's well ahead of Ch- Chandler Parsons, according to what Lloyd Pierce was saying on Friday night, but the Hawks played games on Tuesday and Wednesday, so they didn't practice at all on those two days. Then they had an off day on Thursday with no practice, so it made some sense to get Crab um, some, you know, some live practice time during that sort of hiatus from practice for the Hawks. And that, you know, with with the G League ramping up and a team down the street, this is the reason why—at least one of the reasons why you would want to have a G League team close by—is to kind of take advantage of that with the uh, the close shuttle from one end to the other. So no big surprise there, and we will see how uh, how soon I, I suppose Crab gets back into the lineup. The other thing that I wanted to at least point out before we get started here, it actually became more relevant because Kevin Herter started the second half of this game. Uh, Cam Reddish still started the uh, first half of this game, and that was uh, sort of expected on this night, but because... Um, Herder Herter changed and was in the starting lineup in the third quarter of the game on Friday night. Um, this is even more apt to uh, be included. But I asked Lloyd Pierce actually uh, because a lot of people were asking about Kevin Herder not starting, et cetera, et cetera. There was some question about how long he was going to stick with this lineup. So I asked Pierce about the lineup, about Kevin Herder, etc. And this is kind of a long answer, but I wanted to play all of it for you because I know a lot of people were interested in what's happening with the starting lineup. So uh, here's what Lloyd Pierce had to say again. This is before the game, one more time. This is before the game on Friday, before he, he went to Herder in the second half etcetera. But, uh, here's Lloyd Pierce on the lineup and the future of that group.
1: Um, the plan is to find, a, to find a consistent rotation of guys. I think I've talked about it probably a couple of weeks ago. Um, injuries changes. They change everything in terms of, you know, who should start and who plays well together and how to sub. And because Kevin is probably the main guy we're looking at, um, You know, he was hurt to start and was on many restrictions and he's now slowly getting back into it. Um, I think once we'll look at some of the numbers and look at how guys are performing, I'm not afraid to make any changes. Uh, I've talked about the five men and the competition there. Obviously Alex has been a starter for us thus far, but uh, we have a small sample of of numbers and and lineup analysis and um, seeing which guys play well with who and maybe some tweaks or changes so um, as of right now it'll stay the same just from a consistency standpoint but definitely you know as a staff we've had conversations about Kevin and about Alex and Bruno and Damien and guys like that obviously you know Jabari's gonna start with John being out Um, you know I personally and I say it all the time with DeAndre Benbry I personally love having him come off the bench and it really never crosses my mind to start him and he knows that and I say it all the time to him because I think he brings us and provides the energy that I need when we sub and you know there's just one spot I really to hope hope I don't have to change, but I like the role that he's in and I like having him come in and, and provide that energy.
0: So that isn't the world's clearest answer from Pierce, but I wanted to play it all for you so that you would hear what I heard from the head coach. And again, worth noting that Kevin Herter did start the second half. I thought Kevin Herter was much better in this game. We'll talk about him more. And uh, honestly, if I was to project now after this game, I probably would guess that Herter starts on Sunday. That is not inside information. I'm actually guessing on this one. But Herter, you know is the best player on the wing right now that the Hawks have. And uh, with the way that he looked today, more, more like his old self, I think it would be a good time to go ahead and get him in the lineup with a little bit more minutes, et cetera, et cetera beginning on Sunday. So something to monitor there. That's what um, Lloyd Pierce had to say about it. So I want to pass it along to you guys before we get going here. So as for the game itself, the Hawks entered this game as small home underdogs against the Kings, about two and a half points. In fact, the Hawks have not been favored yet this season. Um, they were actually a pick 'em on Wednesday, so it's sort of a coin toss, and it was close to that in this game, but still no favorite status for the Hawks as of as of game time on Friday. Last year, you might remember that the Kings absolutely dominated the Hawks I asked Pierce about that as well, and uh, he sort of said, actually, the way that I put it was the Hawks uh, had some trouble, quote-unquote, with the Kings last season, and he pushed back on that saying, some, question mark? So I think you certainly knew that the Hawks struggled against the Kings last season, and that was definitely the case to some degree here tonight. You know, part of that was this... Sacramento shooting the the heck out of the ball, but worth noting that the Hawks now have, you know, three times in the last two seasons have struggled with the Kings and uh, a tough matchup, even with the Kings sort of struggling um, before this game began. So um, early on in the contest, the Hawks actually scored the first six points. It was 6-0 lead from the Hawks. And then from that point forward, it was basically all Kings the entire rest of the way. it was uh, a 15-2 run by the Kings after the 6-0 run to open the game by the Hawks. There was a 3 after that um, on the first possession that Kevin Herter played in the entire game after he checked in for, for Cameradus. He also found Bruno Fernando on a nice drop-off pass for a monster dunk for the rookie. Um, the Hawks did get back within 2 at 22-20, to and that prompted a timeout by the Kings. There was a lineup that was kind of weird late in the first quarter with uh, Ty Wallace, Bembry, Kevin Herter, Vince Carter, and Damian Jones. That did not work all that well her play well, though, early on. The Hawks, in a microcosm of what would happen the rest of the game, they shot 1 of 7 from 3 in the first quarter, and the Kings were 5 of 9 from 3 in the first quarter. That told the story, really, um, in terms of the first 12 minutes. The Hawks did have 9 assists, though. The ball was moving pretty well in the first half, um, in general. I'm really in, in enjoying the entire game. But um, Lloyd Pierce did say after the game, he was not happy with the energy level in this game, particularly on the uh, defensive end of the floor, which is interesting to point out um, throughout here. Um, there was a good rip-through move from DeAndre Hunter that I, that I noted earlier in the second quarter. He blew right by Trevor Ariza, a veteran defender, and got all the way to the rim for a layup. Uh, but that was uh, one of the few bright spots in the second in the second quarter for the Hawks. It was a 9-2 to run by the Kings to go up by 14. And then later, an 11-2 run, separate, separate from that one, to go up by 21 points. That was a large deficit of the night for the Hawks at that point. Um, there was a little bit of a push late from Atlanta, with Trey Young getting hot against Buddy Heald. And then Jabari Parker tipped the ball in at the buzzer to cut the lead to 16, but still a pretty lops. Side of game, and um, honestly, that was kind of the difference in, in the entire game, was just the way that the second quarter went for the Hawks. A uh, At the half, Kevin Herter was 2 of 4 from 3, and the rest of the team was 0 of 10 from 3. That kind of told the story in some respects. Um, Jabari Parker had 14 points in the first half, but his defense was kind of shaky, uh, which, is worth, which is worth pointing out. I did think, and it's worth noting here. This is kind of applies to the entire game, particularly in the first half, the defense was not as bad as the numbers looked in this game. Um, I know that at the half, uh, in fact, in the first half, the Kings only took 14 threes and four free throws. That's what you want if you're a defense. You know, it certainly didn't look pretty on paper, but they limited the, the attempts that you would probably want to avoid um, in this game, especially particularly in the first quarter, in the first two quarters of this game. But it just didn't matter because the Kings were shooting the heck out of the ball. Um, as, as I said before, the second half was uh, started by Cam Reddish. Uh, started started by Kevin Herter in place of Cam Reddish, I should say. And then DeAndre Hunter actually got banged up a little bit with his with his shoulder. Pierce got asked about this after the game, and uh, by the time they knew that he was uh, good to go again, the second unit was kind of on the court, and they were kind of messed up in the rotation. So Hunter lasted only 31 seconds in the third quarter. Uh, he, d- he did come back in later in the game, so no real I- injury issue that I'm aware of at this point in time. But within the first 31 seconds, the uh, Hawks were playing uh, a pair of wings uh, that they're not usually playing in that spot with uh, Kevin Herter and, Godre- and beyond memory. So um, worth pointing that out. There was, it was the Trey Young show, though, in the third quarter on the bright side for Atlanta to to get them back into this game. Young scored seven points in the first 90 seconds of the third quarter and had 16 points and four assists in the first nine minutes of the third. And then he actually came out of the game. It was the highest scoring third quarter of Trey Young's career, according to Hawks PR. And he actually sat about the first, you know, about the last two and a half minutes. So played less than 10 minutes and scored 16 points, the highest scoring third quarter of his career. And he was fantastic in the third period. He got something, he actually got a technical foul, though, which is kind of funny in the middle of that for a visceral reaction to a non-call near midcourt. That was the only uh this only uh, the only down spot for uh, Young in the third quarter was that technical foul, but as a team, there was a 12-0 run by the Hawks to get back within 6 after the Kings finally missed some shots, they missed five straight shots and two free throws during that run. Um Jabari Parker actually failed to finish on what was the best play of the night from Trey Young, a ridiculous again, ridiculous back behind the back pass that should have been finished for a uh, momentum Pressing uh, bucket from Parker, but Parker missed it at the rim. The Hawks did score on the possession, which is worth pointing out. But um Young's pass will be lost to obscurity in some ways. But that was a fantastic look from Trey Young. And again, he had he was just fantastic in the third quarter. There's no other way to put that. And he put the Hawks on his back for that, for that period of time. The Hawks got back within five, actually, um, late in the third. And Trey Young had a about a 32-foot three in the air that I thought was going to go in, honestly, to cut to cut the lead to two. Uh, it did not fall. But the Hawks were able to hold off the Kings a little bit down the stretch of the fourth quarter. Trey sat with about two and a half minutes to go, and the Hawks were down seven at that point in time. There was a Kevin Herter three-point play on the next trip, um, using a ball screen quite well to his advantage. But overall, the Hawks were only minus one without Trey on the floor during that run at the end of the third quarter. And honestly, it was actually better than that. The the Kings hit a buzzer-beating three at at the end of the period. The Hawks were playing a lineup... Defensively on the last possession of the game, uh, of the third quarter, I should say, with 12 seconds to go, with Ty Wallace, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Embry, DeAndre Hunter, and Vince Carter, so no center on the court, um, presumably to avoid this kind of breakdown. But the Hawks had a big time defensive breakdown, allowing a corner three uncontested at the buzzer. It went in, and that was actually kind of a big swing in the game because the Hawks had done great work without Trey Young, and they kind of let it let it go a little bit there on that play. Um, in the fourth, the Hawks opened this open the fourth quarter down by eight. There was a ten to three run though to open the period um, by the Hawks, capped by a three by Trey Young and a layup by Cam Reddish. It was actually a really nice finish from Cam Reddish to get the, to get them back within three points, um, and that was a big time run. But they were never actually able to get any closer than that because um, after a timeout, when the Hawks had all the momentum. They came out. They turned the ball over twice in a row, and those were sandwiched around a pair of threes from Bogdanovich and Joseph from Sacramento to to put the lead back out to seven. Um, Bogdanovich hit a wild step back three a little bit after that to uh, put to make the lead ten again. That was probably the biggest shot of the game, in my opinion. It was just an incredible shot from him, and then um, he created another open three on the following possession after Trey did score to go, to go back to eight um, to create an open three by Barnes to go back to eleven. There was a 16-2 to overall run by the Kings to take a 116-98 lead. And at that point, it was basically over. So um, the Hawks did, again, show great resolve in the second half. Lloyd Pierce praised them for showing that resolve in the second half, but the the 16-2 run blew the game wide open in the fourth quarter, and they just made it all the plays that they needed to make to put the game away. And honestly, the Kings were better in this game. The Hawks did play better than you might expect by the box score defensively. In fact, the uh, the Kings scored at a rate of 1.33 points per, per, per possession. That is you know, basically the elite of the elite. The Hawks did allow 18 of 31 from three so a lot of the um, talking points that I even I have made in the first you know several games with the Hawks got pretty lucky on three point defense that all came to a crashing end in this game um, you know 18 of 31 speaks for itself but you know the Haw- the Hawks did allow some good looks. That's worth pointing out, but the Kings were just scalding hot the entire game. Uh, three of four from Bealitsa, two of four from Harrison Barnes, three of eight from Buddy Heald, who's actually the best shooter on the team. He had the worst night of the of any shooter for the Kings. Um, four of six from Trevor Ariza, five of six from Badanovich, one of two from Corey Joseph. It was a barrage, and that was the biggest reason why the Kings were able to hold off the Hawks in this game. Offensively, though the numbers were actually quite good for Atlanta. A 119 offensive rating. That's one of the best of the season so far, but they just couldn't get the stops necessary to win this game. There's some luck involved in that always, but... The offense was pretty good. The defense was not as bad as the numbers indicated. Again, I thought the defense was not great, but it wasn't just you know atrocious in the way that you might guess if you didn't watch this game and opened it and looked at the box score. But still, all told, the Hawks' didn't have enough in this contest, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. But before we get to the rest of the podcast, I want to talk about the good folks at my bookie. One of my favorite parts of the year is upon us with sweater weather. Leaves on the ground and threes from downtown. For some, it just means fall is here. But for others like myself, it means basketball is back in full swing. The NBA is already rolling. College basketball kicked off this week. So there's no better time to feel part of the action than to have a stake in the game with mybookie.ag. Either way, if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Use your basketball knowledge to prove that you have what it takes at mybookie.ag where they make it easy to play and even easier to get paid. If you join right now, MyBookie will double your first deposit. They will double your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA, all one word, to double your cash today. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid. All right, and we're back to talk about the individual players in this contest. A lot of highs and lows for the Hawks here. Off the bench, it was a... uh, a solid effort from Kevin Herter, as I said before. 30 minutes all the way up to his limit to this point in the season. 17 points, 4 assists, 3 rebounds for Herter. It was his best game of the year so far. 6 of 10 from the floor, 4 of 7 from 3. He was fantastic, I thought, throughout this game. And uh, good good to see him showing signs of his previous self, honestly, because this is the guy that we all, we all kind of thought was going to happen this year. He got the late start, and I, I think I'm going to attribute some of the slow start of the season to him being banged up in training camp. But for the most part, Herter was fantastic in this game. And the Hawks needed all of it. He was actually only minus one, which, um, you know, on the sliding scale was pretty positive. I thought he was really good in this contest. Elsewhere on the bench, um, Bembry had 25 minutes played, 5.3 rebounds, two assists, and a steal. A pretty quiet game from DeAndre. He had four, he had four fouls. Um, other than that, didn't, didn't make a whole lot happen. Missed, missed one layup, at least, that I remember off the top of my head at the rim. Uh, not, not the greatest game from him in the world defensively either. You know, sort of, I would say, average-ish from Bembry overall. Uh, Ty Wallace only played seven minutes, didn't play a ton. He definitely was the 11th man in this game, um, in a game that the Hawks only played 11 guys in, and uh, that wasn't a huge surprise to see that. He's kind of that odd man out in some respects. Vince Carter, 16 minutes, 2 of 2 from the floor, 3 rebounds, 5 points. Um, didn't have a block shot, but wasn't terribly active offensively and defensively. He kind of showed his age a little bit at times in this game. Damian Jones, I thought, played, played decently well for 15 minutes, 4 of 6 from the floor. Missed his only 3-point attempt, but uh, was pretty active around the rim. Bruno Fernando looked a little bit lost defensively in this game. He had some ugly moments at the, at the time, and his defense was not where it needed to be. Not, it's not a huge surprise. He actually was plus 8, which is kind of funny. That was basically all driven by Trey Young's explosion. But uh, Bruno wasn't awful, but defensively, you can certainly tell the difference between him and where Alex Lynn was in this game. In fact, we'll talk about Alex Lynn now as the first starter that we'll discuss. Len, 22 minutes, 4.7 rebounds, 3 block shots. He was minus 11, only took 4 shots. I thought this is one of the better games of the year for Alex Lynn. Probably the best game of the year because of his defense. Offensively, he's not been doing a whole lot. He dropped he dropped a pass. It was a bad one in this game. Missed both free throws. Just has not been terribly... Um, Good offensively this entire season, it's, just, it's kind of an understatement of the year, honestly, because he's not been very good offensively, but I thought his defense was actually quite good in this game, he was pretty impactful, and offensively didn't take too much off the table, uh, that that package you, you kind of have to take right now, strong defense at the center spot is much more important than offense for the most part, and I thought Lynn actually played pretty well by his recent standards. Cam Reddish, uh, 7 points, 1 assist, 1 steal, um, 1 block, and minus 16, a team worst in 22 minutes. 3 away from the floor, 1 of 2 from 3. He had one stretch where he had 5 points in about a minute and a half. That was really positive. He finished the layup um, off a nice pass from Trey Young, but did so under control. Finishing's been a problem so far for Cam, but he uh, did that one in a, in a nice way. Also, he hit, hit sort of a pull-up 3. That was not a great shot, necessarily, but he made it. That was a big shot from him. Uh, the first half, he was really bad, I thought, and that probably is, 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 that is what probably earned him a spot on the bench next to Lloyd Pierce to open this third quarter, but you know, Rush had some nice moments. He was certainly not as bad as he has been at times in this game, but the first half was not one that he will want to uh, hold on to for the future. Uh, DeAndre Hunter was pretty quiet, four points, two rebounds, two assists, got blocked up the rim by Harry Giles one time, two of seven from the floor, 0 of two from three. I have to say, Hunter's been a little bit less impactful offensively than uh, he was showing signs of in the preseason. He's one of those guys that had a really, really strong start in the exhibition schedule, but since then has not had it really going offensively. But defensively, he's been very solid. There were a couple rookie moments for him defensively in this game, but I could say about pretty much anyone on the floor in, the, in this game for Atlanta, so it wasn't Hunter, but I did not think he played all that well. Jabari Parker, um, 25 points, obviously a big game from him offensively, 25-8 and eight with two assists, a steal on a block in minus 5 in 32 minutes. He was 11-18 from the floor. Very, very productive. You're, you've definitely been seeing Jabari's offensive skill set um, so far this season. His dunks have been just kind of repeated and impressive. Um, Parker's defense was worse than it has been in this game, uh, especially in the first half I thought was uh, pretty shaky from Jabari defensively, but if he's going to give you 25-8 and eight from on the other, on the other end of the floor, you kind of have to be okay with that to some degree defensively it's never gonna be great for Jabari but he does have the ability to be a little bit better than he was in this contest and I thought um, that's one thing to circle looking ahead and finally Trey Young Um, Trey was not you know his awesome self the entire game offensively in the first half he's kind of a kind of a slow start but the third quarter was just kind of spoke for itself and then at the end of the day his numbers were pretty were pretty darn good 30 points 12 assists Two rebounds. was 12, 22 from the floor, nine sorry, three of ten from, from three from three-point range, nine of twelve on twos. Very, very efficient. Three three from the free throw line as well. Um so 30 points on 22, twenty-three two possessions is very, very solid. Also Trey Young had five steals. That is a career high I believe for Trey. Uh five turnovers as well. Uh it was just you know, very manageable in forty minutes from Young. I thought defensively he was quite good, honestly, by his standards. He's not necessarily he wasn't he wasn't fantastic, but the five steals were very very nice to see. He was just in passing he was in passing lanes. He was pesky. He's making plays, good rotations for the most part. So again, um, a very very good across the board game. It was there were certainly some highs and lows from Young in this in this contest, and that's going to be the case with him sometimes. The third quarter was masterful offensively. And defensively, it was better than an average game, to be sure, from from uh, Young. W- one of the better ones of his career, probably, to this point defensively. So, you know, 30-12-5 steals, you can't really argue very much with that. It does kind of speak to the fact, though, that the Hawks absolutely right now have to have Trey Young be absolutely fantastic to have any chance of winning, which is unfortunate, but just without Collins there and already with the questions about sort of what happens when, when Trey leaves the floor, the fact that the Hawks were, you know, they were minus 6 in the tw- in the 40 minutes that he played, and they were minus 6 in the other 8 minutes. So... His uh, off, his on-off splits are going to be uh, not necessarily helped by the fact that um, you know, the team was minus six in his eight minutes off the court. That's going to happen kind of throughout, and uh, yeah, just something to keep in mind. And we'll be talking about it all all season long. But I thought Trey was actually very very good here, and the numbers speak to that as well. Before we get out of here on this fine Friday, I wanted to look ahead just a little bit to the West Coast swing. We talked about this quite a bit already on the podcast, but as of Friday morning, I pulled the pl- the projected win probabilities from the west coast trip um these are from 538 so it's only one source and again it's it's a computer projection but it kind of speaks to the fact that this that this west coast trip is very very difficult on paper um 538 projects the hawks to win the game in portland on sunday 19 percent of the time that is the highest number of the five (laughs) spoiler alert uh from there it's at um it's nine percent at denver 17% 17% at Phoenix, 11% against the Clippers on the road, and then 9% against the Lakers on the road on the second night of a back-to-back. So um, those do seem a little bit low to me, particularly the one in Phoenix. I can't imagine the Hawks only being you know, 17% to win a game in Phoenix. I know not know it's been playing well, but that seems low to me. Um, Portland is certainly winnable in my opinion as well but with the way that Portland has been playing so far. But it does go to show that the Hawks are going to be, you know, significant underdogs probably in all five of these games. And after back-to-back losses at home, um, it could get out out of hand a little bit for Atlanta right now. You know, they're only only three and five. That's fine. But what you don't want to do is come home three and ten. So basically get one win on this trip, you probably be, would be pretty happy with that. Get two wins, you'd be very, very happy. Three wins, you'd be absolutely overjoyed. So that's just setting a realistic baseline. I know that's not necessarily fun to think about, but if you can avoid 0-5, that would be a win, in my opinion. We will obviously talk a lot more during the road trip with some late night podcasts. For me, a couple of 9 o'clock, 9 o'clock starts, a couple of 10 o'clock starts, and I believe at least one 10.30 start Eastern time. So some late nights on the horizon, but uh, should be some, good, some good, good basketball though because these teams that they're playing against are very either very good or very entertaining, or both. So, uh, some nice late night basketball. If you are not idle like me, you will not uh, be upset with the quality of basketball. Looking ahead to the future, of the first game, of course, is in Portland on Sunday afternoon. Sorry, Sunday evening, um, six o'clock local, but a nine o'clock start in Atlanta. So, please subscribe to the podcast. I know that I threw a lot at you in this game, but you sort of the uh, the Cliff Notes version of this podcast would be the fact that the Hawks played well offensively, played not that well defensively, but not nearly as bad as the. Uh, box score would intend. Would it and honestly, if you put this game on Wednesday side by side, you would certainly have to say the Hawks played much, much better on Friday than they did on Wednesday. Wednesday was legitimately an awful performance from the Hawks, and the post game comments from Pierce and others sort of backed that up. I thought today the Hawks didn't play that badly. They didn't play great by any means, but they didn't play that badly, and the Kings just played great. The, the Kings just shot the heck out of the ball throughout the night, and uh, 18 of 31 from three is, is hard to overcome. That's just the simple math of the way that the NBA game works. So one more time, please subscribe to this podcast. I really, really appreciate everyone that's already done that. But, uh, you know, plenty more content to come from the West Coast. I will not be on the trip, but we'll be watching and uh, be dialed in on this podcast. So uh, leave 5 feedback if you enjoy the program as well. Tell a friend about the show, and we'll see everybody at the very, very latest, deep into the night on Sunday.